Thanks for downloading this podcast from RNIB Connect Radio. Now, many of us have strings to our bow, but what about if you're a speaker, entrepreneur, perhaps even dabbled in movies, author? Well, Jim Stovall has done all of those and more. To tell us a little bit more about his life, we have Jim all the way from Oklahoma. Jim, thank you very much for joining us. It is great to be with you. Where do you find the time for all these things? Well, I have a very good team of people around me that are extremely efficient, and we try to do things that support one another. You know, people often look at my business and say, what do you do? Well, I'm in the message business, and in that vein, we do five things. We do television, movies, books, my columns, and my speeches. But really, there's only one thing I do, and that's to deliver my message. And I always visualize it like a four-sided pyramid, and the point on top is whatever I'm doing at that moment. But everything I do has to support and be supported by the other things. So when I'm uh, writing one of my books, I know it'll be made into a movie, and then I'll talk about it in my column, and you know, so on and so forth. So it's all more uh, cohesive and attached than most people would think. What's the drive behind this then, or behind yourself? As a young man, I had no ambition other than to be a professional football player in our NFL. I thought uh, that's what was going to be my career in the NFL, and uh, I had the size and the speed to do that, and the uh, coaches and scouts uh, were very positive that be where I would end up. And then one year, to going back to play another season of football, I was uh, diagnosed with a condition that would cause me to be blind. And I had to shift gears and realize that's not going to happen. And uh, I discovered Olympic weightlifting and got to finish my athletic career doing that. And then I did go blind in my 20s. And uh, sitting alone in a room that I thought I would never leave again, uh, I came upon an idea to serve people like myself, and I developed a project called the Narrative Television Network, and we add extra soundtracks to movies and television shows so that uh, the 13 million blind and visually impaired Americans and millions more around the world can access TVs and movies and educational programming. And that was kind of the beginning of uh, me rebuilding myself after going blind. At the point when you lost your sight, you're contemplating of the the life ahead then it almost sounds as if you really made a a conscious quick decision that i'm going to now refocus on something else and uh off we go and do it yeah it, it 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 wasn't as clean and simple as it appears now looking back on it i mean when i woke up that morning and i had lost my sight i moved into this little nine by 12 foot room in the back of my house with my radio and my telephone and my tape recorder and I really thought I would never leave that again. I mean, you know, the thought of running a television network with over a thousand stations or writing 30 books, having four of them made into movies with a couple more in progress now, or speaking to millions of people in arena events, or talking to you. Uh, Any of those things would have seemed as foreign to me as going to the moon. So it took several months for me just to get up the courage to walk out of my little room and walk 52 feet to the mailbox. And That was the beginning of the journey that brought me here. So, you know, for people who have had a setback in their life, and my problems are certainly no greater than anyone else's, we're all only as big as the smallest thing it takes to divert us from where we should be. And 
whether it's me being blind or someone else having a divorce or a bankruptcy or losing their job or whatever the case may be, uh, these are real things, and, uh, and and I don't want to minimize it. There There's a time and place where you, you, you go into mourning and you grieve a bit and you deal with where you are, and then you pick yourself up and start again. All the things that you've done so far, have they been to prove something mainly to others, or do you think you wanted to to prove things to yourself as well? I think a little of both, to be very honest. I I was a very competitive person as an athlete and then as an Olympic weightlifter, and and then all of a sudden uh, I'm, I'm in this little room and broke and scared and depressed. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to first prove to myself I could do some things and, and now prove to other people that I can do things. But then I finally got into the place that I think I should be, which is I'm proving to other people they can do things. And that's the beginning of uh, the true change. It's like uh, when we teach someone something, we change their life. But when we teach people to teach, we change the world. Is there something in you then that just says, push the envelope? When you've been broke and scared and been to the very bottom and... uh, uh, you got nothing to lose. I mean, so you you uh, you're willing to uh, push it harder. And uh, you know, I remember my last competition as an Olympic weightlifter, and my coach told me that he said, "Now, always remember, a guy that can do that can do anything." And in I, I wrote that line for one of my characters in uh, one of the films, The Ultimate Gift. I think we too often look at our immediate failure and don't go back and look at all the things we've done that have been successful. And, uh, you know, we all have those two voices in our head at all times. And one tells us you're great, you're grand, you're wonderful, you can do anything you want to do. And the other tells you that, um, you know, you you can't do anything and what makes you feel you could ever be extraordinary. And uh, depending on which of those voices we listen to, our future hangs in the balance. Do you think they've really proven something then to people who are blind uh, as well as perhaps those who are sighted? Because a lot of people have these outdated stereotypes, if you like, of blind people. And, you know, many, many people like yourself strive to break those down for for the blind person as well as the sighted person. Yeah, I think we have uh, stereotypes of all kinds of people, but particularly people with disabilities. We have a tendency to focus on the one thing that that, that is their disability. And uh, in Psychology Today, in the magazine, they do a survey every year, the greatest fears that people have. And going blind is always one of the very top things people are afraid of. In fact, some years it's actually ahead of dying. Uh, you know, and, and, and people cannot imagine it. And I couldn't either when I was sighted. Now... Literally, I go days at a time and don't even think about it. I, uh, you know, except when I, you know, several times each week I talk to someone like you, and and then I go back and revisit that. But otherwise, I, it's just not a part of my existence. I've I've developed a an environment where it really doesn't matter. You've written books. Um, you've made movies. Uh, your company that started out looking at audio description and programs. It, it seems as if you're a very busy man. Where, where do you get time just to, you know, be Jim Stovall that isn't working hard? How do you relax or switch off? Well, that, that's a great question. And uh, 
now that I'm in my 50s, I am uh, hopefully a bit wiser. So as I travel for speaking engagements, I I always try to do one or two things uh, uh, as a sightseeing or recreational in in the the cities or countries I go to. I get up very early in the morning, and uh, I'm generally up at 4 a.m., and I enjoy reading, and I have a high-speed audio player, so I can listen very, very quickly, and I, I read a book every day. There hasn't been a day in the last 22 years I haven't read a whole book cover to cover, and that is a big part of my recreation and what I enjoy doing, and I enjoy sports on the satellite radio and uh, and a lot of things, and, uh, and, and so I, I try to schedule my family time and my recreation just like I do my business schedule, because if we don't block out those priorities, uh, the world will take over and, uh, you know, you'll find that your life is all work and no play and you're completely out of balance. You've won countless awards um, through the years as well. Any of those which which really stand out for you and perhaps say to you, yeah, I, I've done it, I am good at this? Um, several. I mean, obviously a gold medal for my athletic career. Uh, um, an Emmy Award for my team and I for our television work. Probably for me personally, either uh, the Presidential Entrepreneur of the Year or the International Humanitarian. Uh, that meant a lot to me. I, I received it the year after Mother Teresa got it, and uh, that's just humbling, to say the least. Probably of all those things, I, I would focus on the humanitarian because uh, at this stage of my life, I spend more time probably with my foundation and my scholarships and uh, and uh, trying to give back to uh, help others. Do you think there is a point that will come where you'll say, I've done enough? I don't know. I can't imagine that because there seems to always be more to do. Twenty years ago, I started writing a weekly syndicated newspaper column. And I was just writing for one paper at the time. Now there's 400 of them and uh, several million people read it each week. But in the beginning, there was just one local business journal. And he said, can you write a column every week? I could not imagine I could come up with something to say every week. Well, whenever I have ideas or thoughts or hear something in the news, I have the lady here in my office that I dictate all of my work to. Uh, Dorothy just jot it down. Well, we've been writing these columns now for almost 20 years, so we're over a thousand columns, and our list of ideas for future one is getting bigger all the time. So I, I look at my life the same way. I I can't imagine uh, a time when I say that's enough. But uh, hey, if it happens, uh, you know, I I would look at that then. Do you have sort of personally, say, um? a motto or, or a guidance that you have for yourself that, that keeps you going, keeps you doing these things, but maintains that sort of work-life balance as well? Um, I, I, you know, I have several things I look at and try to use. Uh, one of my, my mentors, uh, Coach John Wooden, uh, I spent a lot of time the last five years of his life. He died just before he was 100. And he would always tell me, just before you go do anything, the next activity, uh, this interview with you, whatever it may be that I'm doing, you ask yourself a simple question, what would I do right now if I were amazing? What would I do right now if I wanted to 
stake my existence, say that this next thing I'm doing, this is my signature, this is what people will remember me by doing. And if you will treat everything with that kind of passion and energy, uh, you will have an extraordinary life. Do you think um, there's a way that you would like to be remembered then? Um, you know, I would, hopefully a hundred years from now, someone will be reading one of my books or watching one of the movies and, uh, and, uh, think differently about themselves. If, you know, I, I hope that somehow in losing my sight, I can help others capture vision of who they could be. Because once you capture that vision of who you could be, it's hard to go back and just live a common, ordinary life. Jim Stovall, thank you for speaking with us. Thank you. It's an honour to be with you. For more downloads like these, visit rnibconnectradio.org.uk slash podcasts.